Father in heaven, I pray that you will guide us and speak to us and teach us from your word about the devil and his strategies in his war against the saints at the end of time. I pray that the Holy Spirit might fill us and teach us that which we need to know. So be with us now as we open your word together online here. We ask and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So the title of our study today or this morning is The Speaking Serpent, A Pandemic of Spiritualism. So we are going to be talking about spiritualism. So let's get a definition up, uh, on the table right off the bat. According to the New Oxford American Dictionary, spiritualism is defined as a system of belief or religious practice based on supposed communication with the spirits of the dead, especially through mediums. And I think we are familiar with this notion of spiritualism, interacting with the dead and spirits of the dead and that that type of thing. But uh, as Adventists, I think for many of us, we have an auto-translate feature that goes on in our heads, meaning whenever we read the spirits of the dead, there's an automatic translation in our minds, oh, those are evil angels or uh, spirits of demons, because we understand the uh, doctrine of the state of the dead, uh, the biblical understanding of it, which is the soul sleeps until the resurrection. Uh, there is no immortal soul. And so we don't really believe that these are literal spirits from the dead that's speaking to us, but rather these are uh, spirits of demons masquerading as the spirits of the dead. And so whenever you know, I mention the phrase, even in this presentation, about talking to the dead, I think you understand that's what we're talking about, engaging with the evil angels. But this passage also, or this definition, I should say, also highlights that Spiritualism happens especially through mediums. And uh, this is an important concept that is going to come into play as we go forward. So turning to the Bible now, I want to begin our study in Genesis chapter 3, uh, verses 4 and 5. And it says this, And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day you eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and you shall be as God's knowing good and evil. And it is, uh, in this study, we're going to be really focusing on just the highlighted section, the bolded text, which is verse 4 of Genesis chapter 3. Uh, and then this afternoon, we are going to be studying verse 5. Uh, so uh, th these go together. They're all about spiritualism. But we're going to be focusing on the first uh, half of this passage. And what does it say? It says the, the serpent, it talks about the serpent in the garden at the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, speaking with the woman and communicating this lie that you shall not surely die. What does this tell us? Well, to break it down a little bit further, what we have just read there is the first spiritualistic encounter in all of human history, uh, and certainly the first time it is recorded in the Bible. So to divide that concept up, there are actually two, two ways to look at spiritualism. They can be categorized into two ways. One is overt spiritualism and then discrete spiritualism. What do I mean when I say that? Overt spiritualism refers to when people knowingly engage with the supernatural. So it is things like, you know, demon possession or voodoo and witchcraft and the occult, right? These types of things we think of as overt spiritualism. And all of it is based on this lie about ye shall not surely die. It's based on this idea of the immortality of the soul, uh, that lie of the devil in the garden. And uh, over and over in the spirit of prophecy, whenever we read about spirit, uh, spiritualism, it is always referenced, uh, this doctrine of the immortality of the soul is frequently referenced as the foundation for modern day spiritualism. So uh, there's a great deal of uh, t information here that we can continue to study. But to, to, to just break this down just a little bit further, overt spiritualism definitely has the pagan form, which is, you know, what we reference, you know, ancestral worship, demon possession, black magic, necromancy, voodoo, witchcraft, Ouija boards, seances, all of these types of things we associate with paganism, pagan form of spiritualism. But there's also a, a Christian form 
of spiritualism that the spirit of prophecy has a great deal to talk about as well. And that is this idea that we can talk with the dead. So believing people go straight to heaven when they die. And so, you know, oh, I, I heard grandma and the spirit of grandma came back and comforted me last night when I was, you know, praying. Or uh, I had a out-of-body experience when I was on the operating room table and I, you know, I, I, I saw the light and I saw Jesus and he told me this, that, and the other thing. That's the Christian version of spiritualism. Both of them have the same root uh, foundation in this doctrine of the immortality of the soul. And it is the primary form of spiritualism whenever we read about it in the Bible and the Spirit of Prophecy. Whenever it's mentioned, that's the primary form, the overt type of spiritualism. And it's very important, okay? I don't want to leave the impression that that's not important except to make this uh, disclaimer that for our study, the purposes of our study today, this morning, and this afternoon, we're going to be primarily focusing on the second form of spiritualism, which is the discrete form of spiritualism. And what do I mean by that? Discrete spiritualism represents that form of spiritualism when the human agent is influenced by evil angels and by Satan without them knowing that they are engaged with the supernatural. And this is represented by the very serpent itself. Satan speaking through the medium of a serpent to the woman represents a discrete form of spiritualism in so far that Eve did not know that she was talking with the devil. She did not know that she was engaging with the powers of darkness uh, from the realm of the supernatural. She didn't know. And so that's why I call it discrete. So this is really going to be the primary focus of our study today. But let's continue on here. In Revelation chapter 12, verse 9, and then we're skipping down to verse 17, we read that the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth and his angels were cast out with him. So Satan is referenced in the book of Revelation as the old serpent. And so at the end of time, we should be aware that the devil is going to be employing the same or similar tactics that he used in the Garden of Eden. That's because a serpent represents spiritualism. That's what the serpent, you know, that's what the serpent did. And so uh, we continue reading here that the dragon, also called the serpent, in the verse we just read, was wroth with the woman and went to make war with the remnant of her seed, which keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. So we should expect spiritualism to be in the arsenal of the devil in his end time war against the remnant. Okay, And to make this point even clearer, I want to take a look at several other passages in the book of Revelation, and which will highlight that um, spiritualism, we should expect it to sweep over the world like a global pandemic. So the first passage in Revelation chapter 16, verse 13 and 14, it says, And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon and out of the mouth of the beast and out of the mouth of the false prophet. For they are the spirits of devils working miracles, which go forth unto the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them to the battle of that great day of God Almighty. And that battle, of course, we're talking about the battle of Armageddon. This is the sixth plague right before Jesus comes. And the, John the Revelator describes the scene as spirits of de demons or devils working miracles going around the world, deceiving the kings of the earth and the whole world. So it gives us the idea of a global pandemic type of situation. Another passage in, is in Revelation 18, verse 23. And the light of a candle shall shine no more at all in thee, speaking of Babylon the great. And the voice of the bridegroom and of the bride shall be heard no more at all in thee. For thy merchants were the great men of the earth, for by thy sorceries were all nations deceived. Sorceries, that's simply another word for spiritualism. Babylon at the end of time, one of their hallmarks of Babylon is that it uses spiritualism or sorceries to deceive all nations or the whole world. And so we are talking about a worldwide flood of spiritualistic activity 
at the end of time. We should expect it. That's what Revelation is telling us. And it's interesting to think that even in the wider world, anecdotally, I, I believe we can see this to be true. Uh, I remember canvassing. It's hard to believe, but it was 20 years ago uh, or more than 20 years ago, maybe, um, when I was canvassing in California that I met a remarkable number of people who would openly, with a straight face, look me in the eye and say, oh, I'm a pagan or I'm a Wiccan. Uh, and I, I'm, you know, I was flabbergasted the first few times it happened because, you know, I'm standing here selling Bible story books or uh, spiritual books, and they just openly admit, "Oh yeah, I'm a pagan. I don't believe that," or "I'm a witch. Uh, I believe in the, you know, I'm part of the Wiccan uh, religion." And just recently, I, I found out that Wicca is one of the fastest growing religions in America, and so. All of this just tells me that overt spiritualism, like just flat-out pagan uh, spiritualism, is on the rise. And it is common in the society around us, and of course in our popular culture and in media, uh, the idea of witchcraft and wizardry and magic and supernatural, these types of things uh, have been commonplace for a long time. But back to our question, what about discrete spiritualism? What about that form of spiritualism where people are under the influence of evil angels without even knowing it. Is that also a problem that we need to be aware of? What about spiritualism in the church? Is spiritualism even a threat to the church? Because I used to think that spiritualism is just a deception for those ignorant heathens out there, right? It's, it's for the people who aren't enlightened, uh, as to the truth, like we are. We know that the dead, uh, you know, the living know that they shall die and that the dead know not anything. We know that when the person dies, they go to sleep. There's no consciousness in death. We, we know that the soul is not immortal. So because we understand the state of the dead, I sort of thought that's a non-factor. Spiritualism would not affect us because after all, if someone pretending to be, you know, a spirit of a dead person comes to us, we would just automatically know, right? Like, okay, you're an evil angel, so we're not going to talk to you. We're not going to listen to you. Like, it seems so obvious or, or at least so simple. Uh, and then plus, we know that at the end of time, Satan himself will be transformed into an angel of light. He will actually, uh, in the final act of the great drama, we're told, he will impersonate Jesus himself. And we're like, well, we're seventh-day... Adventists, of all people, we must understand how Jesus is going to come the second time. He's not going to touch the earth. Uh, he's going to come with the trump of God. The dead in Christ shall rise first. We shall meet him in the air. All the holy angels come with him. There's no way, right, that we as Adventists would fall for a spiritualistic deception like Satan personating Christ. And so I had this perhaps uh, naive, maybe, or overly confident uh, sense of hubris about the threat of spiritualism in the church. But maybe we shouldn't be so confident because let's take a look at what the Bible has to say about this. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1, Paul writes this, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times, okay, so it's talking particularly about the end of time, some shall depart from the faith. So are we talking about people in the world here? Are we talking about people in the church? Well, clearly he's talking about the church because people are departing from the faith. Well, what leads them to depart from the faith? Giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. So Paul is very explicit in telling us, hey, spiritualism is going to be a threat to the church. We need to be careful. The church is not immune to this deception. In the end times, there will be some from among us who shall depart from the faith because of the seduction of spiritualism. Another statement found in the book Great Controversy, page 588. The line of distinction between professed Christians and the ungodly is now hardly distinguishable. 
church members love what the world loves and are ready to join them, uh, join with them. And Satan determines to unite them in one body and thus strengthen his cause by sweeping all into the ranks of spiritualism. So this passage tells us clearly spiritualism affects both those inside and outside of the church. And in the context of the end times, which this chapter, if you go look it up, is specifically talking about some of the final movements in the end time scenario, I find it interesting to me uh, that the Spirit of Prophecy describes Satan's objective, his strategy, is to sweep all, both in and outside of the church, into the ranks of spiritualism. And, you know, it's fascinating because, you know, at the end of time, we always assume that it's going to be a religious, like, uh, Christian, apostate Christian movement that's going to bring about the the final events. So, you know, wouldn't it make more sense to sweep all into the uh, ranks of uh, Romanism, for example, or into apostate Protestantism? But that's not what it says. Um, and and if if the Satan's objective is to sweep all into the ranks of spiritualism at the end of time in the context of the final conflict, it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense if this spiritualism is referring merely to the occult or magic or witchcraft or those types of pagan religions. It doesn't seem to harmonize. And uh, we'll, we'll discuss more about this in our afternoon session. But for now, the point I want to make from this passage is that it should be clear that the deception of spiritualism must be far more discreet and far more pernicious than the overt forms of spiritualism that we have been accustomed to thinking about. But what is all the significance? Uh, What is the significance of that? Well, we'll discuss it more uh, in our study this morning and this afternoon. But at this time, I want to... uh, use this metaphor. I want to bring up this metaphor of the global pandemic to help illustrate how spiritualism spreads throughout society, how Satan uses uh, spiritualism uh, as a means to communicate his deceptions. And this will help us organize our thoughts for the rest of our study. And what do we see? Uh, Because of COVID-19, we've lived through it for, you know, much of this year. We have all, in a way, become amateur epidemiologists now. Uh, And so I think some of these terms maybe last year would not have made any sense to us, but now I think we're all very familiar with it. And I think it's a helpful illustration. So first, we we want to uh, think about this idea of cross-species transmission. So a virus that transmits from a non-human entity to humans. So COVID-19, it might have been a bat, something like that. And the virus made a leap over the species barrier, and now it affects humans. But then it is communicable between humans now, and then there's this thing known as asymptomatic spread, which is a transmission of a virus from a person who does not develop symptoms. This is the definition from the World Health Organization for asymptomatic spread. And so what this means is there are people who are transmitting the virus even though they themselves don't know that they are carriers of it. That's asymptomatic spread. And then there's community spread, uh, defined by the CDC as people getting infected with the virus in an area including some who are not sure how or where they became infected. So infection occurs without being able to trace to the source. It's just in the air, so to say. So it could be airborne uh, droplets. It could be through uh, surfaces. We touch something and it, you know, we rub our eyes and we get it that way, or maybe through the ventilation system that you know, transfers viruses over a wider area. That's community spread. And then eventually we are in the state, we get to the stage which uh, we've been living in, which is a pandemic, which is defined as an epidemic occurring worldwide over a very wide area, crossing international boundaries and usually affecting a large number of people as defined by the World Health Organization. So keep these thoughts in mind, um, these concepts in mind as we go through uh, some of the inspiration that discusses how spiritualism is transmitted. So our first Two passages come from the book Last Day Events, page 160 and also page 161. It says this, Evil angels in the form of men will talk with those who know the truth. They will misinterpret and misconstrue the statements of the messengers of God. Evil angels in the form of believers will work in our ranks to bring in a strong spirit of unbelief. These passages make it very clear 
that Satan and his evil angels can and do engage directly with God's people in the church. They take on the appearance even of believers. And this is clearly an, a discrete form of spiritualism because apparently, you know, people don't really know that they are engaging with evil angels. This is one way that spiritualism is transmitted. Now, I need to pause here and make a number of very important disclaimers. Whenever we read statements like this, I know what goes on in the Adventist mind, okay? And that is the automatic assumption, or the automatic uh, next step is for people to just start looking around suspiciously and wondering, so who are these evil angels? Have I met them? Maybe it's that guy that I just really have you know, a bad feeling about, you know, the stuff he's posting on Facebook, or that guy, he wrote a book that I think is heresy, so he must be an evil angel. Don't think that way, right? I'm trying to make this disclaimer to help us steer away from that way of thinking. It's a little bit like the, you know, unfortunate and I, th I think largely inappropriate Adventist insult of just accusing someone of being a Jesuit when we don't like them or when we disagree with them. You know, this is sort of taking it to the next level, right? It's, but it's the same spirit. Wondering who's a Jesuit hiding around the corner. Well, who's this evil angel that, that uh, is masquerading as a believer? Look, the point is not for us to hunt for spiritualists or to hunt for Jesuits or hunt for evil angels in the church, right? Uh, that's not the point I'm trying to make because let's just hypothetically suppose that we actually successfully identify one case. So what? What does that do? What does that mean? Like, okay, now what? You know, it, it doesn't necessarily change a whole lot, right? And there's not a whole lot we can do about it. And, and ultimately, we got to remember the enemy of souls, the devil, is far more conniving and smarter and scheming than we are. So I don't really want to go hand-to-hand -hand combat with the devil. Uh, and so Jesus has a parable about the wheat and the tares, how they grow together uh, until he comes. And this is one of those cases where we need to leave this kind of stuff to, G to Jesus to, to resolve when the time is right. And perhaps the worst problem is if we get caught up in hunting for spiritualists in the church, uh, we end up running down the rabbit trail of distraction that keeps us from actually fulfilling our mission. So all this to say, don't misunderstand what I am trying to communicate by bringing up these passages. Uh, so disclaimer over. My point is simply that spiritualism can be a very direct uh, and serious threat even to the church. And also this is the illustration that spiritualism can be transmitted on a first degree basis. So an evil angel can ha uh, communicate a discreet infection to those in the church in the form of quote-unquote believers in our ranks, people that we don't even know that they are anything other than just a believer. Satan is capable of doing that, and the Spirit of Prophecy tells us that he does do that. So first-degree transmission in a discreet manner is possible. Okay, but let's continue on. Next statement is found in Testimonies for the Church, Volume 2, uh, page 171. And this, this testimony was written to a couple of people who are backsliding out of the church. They are church members, and Ellen White, in an attempt to win them back, is writing them uh, words of reproof and of admonition and of rebuke. And so this is a portion of what she wrote to these church members. She says, One thing I wish to impress upon your minds. You have the special mediums of Satan closely connected with you. There's that word again, mediums. And their power and influence have a manifest effect upon you. Because you do not remain near enough to God to ensure the special aid of angels that excel in strength. So she's telling these people you are in danger because there are people with influence in your life that are mediums of Satan. These might be friends. These might be associates, maybe mentors, maybe people that you, you know, listen to in popular media or whatever it might be, right? These people are closely connected with you. you. You give them access to you, but they're the mediums of Satan. Now, when she says mediums of Satan, does she just mean metaphorically? Like these are bad influences, you know, like we all have friends who might have been, you know, not the best influence on us in our lives. 
Uh, is that all she means? Well, interestingly enough, the very next page, she elaborates on this point. So page 172 of uh, second volume of the testimonies, she says, those who have bitterly opposed the truth of God, Satan uses as his mediums. Okay, well, she con- continues to describe how that takes place. To such he will appear in the assumed person and garb of another. It may be a friend of the medium. He will increase their faith by using the words of this friend and relating circumstances which are about to take place or which really have taken place and of which the medium knew nothing. Sometimes previous to a death or an accident, he gives a dream or personating another, converses with the medium, even imparting knowledge by means of his suggestions. This sounds like a fairly direct form of spiritualistic influence, if you ask me. But this medium is characterized by their opposition to the truth of God. And these people who oppose the truth of God, we are told, can be under the influence of Satan, whether knowingly or unknowingly. And Ellen White describes all of the various methods that Satan has at his disposal to influence these people. So using this graphic again, spiritualism can also be a case of second-degree transmission, where Satan here on the right might dress up as an assumed friend. It might not just be that. It could be just through dreams, through suggestions. It can be through a variety of means, whether overtly or discreetly. Both are options here for the devil to influence this person in the middle that she simply calls his medium. And this medium, as far as we can tell, the only identifying marker for them is that they bitterly oppose the truth, meaning they are not overt spiritualists. She does not say that, you know, the way to know is that, you know, don't hang out with people who worship the devil or don't, worship, don't hang around people that, you know, use Ouija boards or that have a broomstick, a flying broomstick in their closet, right? Like, she doesn't say that. These are normal, everyday people that we may run across in media or on the street. And and this can lead to a discreet infection to the church member because the relationship on the far left of the screen here between the church member and this medium of Satan, apparently there is no indication of any supernatural influence or supernatural activity in that relationship. It can look like just any normal interaction between two people. They might be hanging out, texting back and forth, you know, listening to their music or or whatever it might be. So I'm getting a little ahead of myself because let's take a look at the next passage uh, and see what it says. So this is now in uh, Sketches from the Life of Paul, page 140. The visible and the invisible world are in close contact. Could the veil be lifted, we would see evil angels employing all their arts to deceive and destroy. Wherever an influence is exerted to cause men to forget God, there Satan is exercising his bewitching power. All who venture into scenes of dissipation or irreligious pleasure or seek the society of the sensualist, the skeptic, or the blasphemer by personal intercourse or, notice very carefully, or through the medium of the press are tampering with Sorcery. There's that word again. Sorcery is spiritualism. Ere they are aware, the mind is bewildered and the soul polluted. So in this passage, the irreligious, the sensualist, the skeptic, the blasphemer, these group them together and they merely represent those who are opposed to the truth that we just read about in the last passage. And notice, this type of sorcery that is described here again, does not include any type of overt spiritualism. There's no witchcraft talked about here. There's no um, crystal ball or Ouija boards or seances. It's, it's discreet. Like these are people that you do not view them as overt spiritualists, but nevertheless, in engaging with them, we are tampering with sorcery. Well, how can we engage with these people? This passage makes it clear we can be influenced by them not merely by personal intercourse or personal contact, direct contact of sitting face-to-face and being friends with them and so forth, but we can also become tainted or infected with their ideas through the medium of the press. What is that? What's the medium of the press? That's simply another word to describe media, modern media, and curious how the word media is simply 
plural for the word medium, right? So here's our little graphic again. And now Satan is still here. He's just off the screen to the right. I just didn't have enough space to make it look nice. So Satan is off to the right. He is still influencing, whether overtly or discreetly, the medium. Now this medium, where we see, is further described as irreligious, sensualist, uh, skeptic, or blasphemer. But then this medium can put, put out uh, media, whether it's through their books, whether articles or other publications. Maybe it's a podcast or it's a website or TV shows or movies or music or whatever it might be. They push out their ideas through the media and through that media that is consumed by the church member, a discreet infection of spiritualism can still go on there. And I think you will know this to be true when you start scrolling through Netflix. How long do you have to scroll before you see some overt form of spiritualism uh, or even subtle forms of spiritualism everywhere in popular culture? It happens. But of course, back to what we're talking about, the spiritualistic ideas may not even be overtly spiritualism. It may not be overt paganism. But nevertheless, we're going to dive deeper into this concept this afternoon but the means by which the transmission takes place can happen even on a third degree level uh, from Satan to us. So this tells us we need to be watchful about what media we are engaging in and what we are putting into our brains. Now, I want to take this one step further. This statement is found in Great Controversy, page 516. It says, None are in greater danger from the influence of evil angels than those who, notwithstanding the direct and ample testimony of the scriptures, deny the existence and agency of the devil and his angels. So long as we are ignorant of their wiles, they have almost inconceivable advantage. Many give heed to their suggestions while they suppose themselves to be following the dictates of their own wisdom. This passage begins by describing a class of people who are the most susceptible to the influence of evil angels, or or spiritualism. None are in greater danger, we're told. Well, who are these people? These are the people who deny the existence and agency of the devil and his angels. Well, who are those? What is she describing here? What is Ellen White describing? They're describing people who do not believe in the existence of the supernatural. Or it might be described as those who are atheists, who do not believe that there's a God or a devil. Or in a more blanket term, this is describing the secularist. Those who do not believe in the devil as angels, in God, and angels, good angels, holy angels, or evil angels. They don't believe in the supernatural. And at the end of this passage, it says these people think that they are so wise. They think that they have so much light and, and uh, wisdom to, to shed upon the world. The atheistic, infidel philosophers, I believe this is talking about, and others like them they might be under the influence of Satan without even knowing it. And this passage continues, same paragraph. This is why, as we approach the close of time, when Satan is to work with greatest power to deceive and destroy, he spreads everywhere the belief that he does not exist. It is his policy to conceal himself and his manner of working. Talking again about the close of time, at the end of time. We, you know, we think that Satan's power is at the most elevated, right? His power is most potent during overt spiritualistic manifestations. So things like, you know, we read about demon possession, for example. The, the demon literally, you know, taking over somebody and speaking through them. We think, oh, wow, that is, that is his most uh, powerful way to destroy. But according to this passage, that's not totally the case. Satan has a different preference, and it sounds as though he prefers a secular, non-superstitious environment. He prefers, it is his policy to conceal himself, and his greatest power is manifested in an environment, in a situation where people don't believe in the supernatural or his existence. And to, to illustrate this in the real world, I want to share with you something now. That kind of blew my mind when I found out. And I want to talk with you a little bit about the church of Satan. And when we talk about the church of Satan, we automatically assume, well, who do they worship? Well, they must worship the devil. They must worship Satan, right? Well, I went to their website 
And in their FAQ, they actually have this question. Why do Satanists worship the devil? Look at their answer. We don't. Satanists are atheists. We see the universe as being indifferent to us. And so all morals and values are subjective human constructions. As such, we do not promote a belief in a personal Satan. The Church of Satan doesn't believe that Satan exists. How wild is that? But nevertheless, do you suppose, do you think they might still be at least a little bit under the influence of spiritualism? I mean, what name did they adopt after all? Like they claim to be of Satan, but yet they are a secular religion, oxymoronic as that may sound. Now, there's actually a second uh, satanic religion called the Satanic Temple. The Church of Satan and the Satanic Temple, the two of them comprise the two largest uh, satanic religions in the world. And I went to their website and looked at their FAQ and look what they say. Do you worship Satan? No, nor do we believe in the existence of Satan or the supernatural. The satanic temple believes that religion can and should be divorced from superstition. As such, we do not promote a belief in a personal Satan. Both of them say the same thing. The Church of Satan and the Satanic Temple both are atheistic, secularist religions. And does this not line up with what we just read? That those who do not believe in the devil's existence, do not believe in the supernatural, are most susceptible to the influence of evil angels? I think so. And this is an, it's also important to make this distinction. The Church of Satan and the Satanic Temple are distinct and very different from what we referenced earlier as paganism, like Wicca or the occult. In fact, the Satanic Temple and Church of Satan, as I've done a little bit of reading, they look down their noses in disdain for those superstitious pagan religions. They think they are enlightened. They are informed by science and, and reason, and, uh, and that's why they're atheists. And so they're very different, and it's important to understand the, the, the contrast here. Even though... For us, looking in from the outside based on uh, the spirit of prophecy and, and the counsel of scripture, we see that they are influenced by the same spirit. Nevertheless, one is merely overt spiritualism and the other is the natural outgrowth of discrete spiritualism. And so I think this highlights that Ellen White's spirit of prophecy's counsel has been right on the money. So let's go back to our framework of the pandemic and see what we've learned so far. Because what we've seen so far is that spiritualism is far more than just demons impersonating the dead, right? It's much more than just seances and blood magic and necromancy, those kinds of things. Spiritualism goes deeper than that. It's more deceptive. It's more pernicious than that. And so let's see. Spiritualism and cross-species transmission. What we see is that evil angels are actively and continuously spreading their influence both overtly and discreetly. So there's this cross-species uh, or even you might say cross-dimensional type of uh, transmission going on all the time. The devil and his angels are never uh, asleep. And then asymptomatic spread. Spiritualism can be transmitted even by those who show, quote-unquote, no symptoms. Even people who are non-superstitious, who are secular in their worldview, who do not believe in the devil or the supernatural, they can still be carriers. That's what we're, re what, what we're learning. And then community spread. Spiritualism can be transmitted indirectly. It can happen over the air. It can go through medias of all types. And fundamentally, people can be uh, influenced by spiritualism and, and communicate and believe and hold on to spiritualistic ideas without ever knowing where they pick those beliefs up from. That's the, that's the most insidious part of all this. Community spread exists in spiritualism. And so that leads us to the question. So with all of this in play, have we reached the point of a global pandemic? We know that the Bible predicts that it's going to be a pandemic. Have we already arrived there? Let's take a look in Great Controversy, page 556. The very name of witchcraft is now held in contempt. The claim that man or men can hold intercourse with evil spirits is regarded as a fable of the Dark Ages. And does this not describe modern, enlightened you know, society. You no, know, we have science now. We have, uh, 
you know, we, we've worked through those dark ages. So when people talk about, you know, uh, nowadays, when they talk about belief in the devil or belief in God or the supernatural, you know, I think for many of us living in the Western society that uh, we're in now, most people will look at us like, do you really believe that hocus pocus? Like, are you that superstitious? Like, don't be silly, right? That's sort of the, 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 the view that most people have. But nevertheless, look at what the statement continues to say. But spiritualism, which numbers its converts by hundreds of thousands, yea, by millions, even in Ellen White's day, millions, which has made its way into scientific circles, which has invaded churches, and has found favor in legislative bodies, and even in the courts of kings. This mammoth deception is but a revival in a new disguise of the witchcraft condemned and prohibited of old. This passage clearly tells us that this has swept the globe. Millions upon millions of people are already converts to spiritualism. That's what Spirit of Prophecy is saying in the Book of Great Controversy. And it's very interesting how she highlights certain uh, realms of society that have been infiltrated by spiritualism. The, the one that jumps out at me is scientific circles. Because by its very definition, by its very definition, scientific circles today is agnostic. You know, the, the nat- it requires uh, the practitioner's science to have naturalistic presuppositions, largely, and, and that rule out the existence of the supernatural entirely. That's the general, you know, uh, climate within scientific circles. Like you want to talk about intelligent design, that's largely disqualified because of the presuppositions that undergird all of science, at least it's, as it's uh, co- uh, conducted in the secular world, you know, obviously outside of the church and so forth. So that's very fascinating. And then this idea of, you know, legislative bodies and in government and in politics has found its way into this, uh, this realm. And so a lot of times I've thought, oh, this, she must be just talking about closet spiritualists, right? Like maybe she's talking about the, uh, you know, secret societies. We've got the Masons and the Illuminati and, and they're just hiding, hiding uh, their, 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 their broomstick and their crystal ball in their closet. And they just don't show it. You know, I'm not sure that I would, you know, necessarily say that's not possible. But at the same time, I don't think that's the thrust of this passage. This passage really gives the impression that it's describing a wide swath of society, like huge segments of society, large portions of the population already being swept up into spiritualism without even knowing it. That's the impression I get. And not just without even knowing it, while sort of bad-mouthing and looking down upon overt spiritualism as a whole. This is the picture that I believe this passage paints. And so does this portend that we have already reached a point of global pandemic? Um, I think so. And so we think of overt spiritualism like this. This is what spiritualism can look like. seances, you know, spirits of the dead, you know, ghosts, things like that. But I hope through the course of this study so far, it's become clear that spiritualism can also look like this. And it is the intent of these pictures is to show, well, this is just everyday life, right? It's just a teacher in in a classroom. There can be spiritualistic ideas being promulgated there, the philosophies and so forth, even in legislative bodies, we're told. So perhaps even in government. Spiritualistic ideas exist. It permeates society. That's the, that's the impression, uh, the connotation that we can really gain from the spirit of prophecy and how it's described. Now, I have some bad news. The sad reality is that there can be no eradication of spiritualism until the second coming. Now, why is that? It's because the Satan, Satan and his angels are still alive and well. They're continuing to seed, so to say, seed new infections all throughout society. So in COVID-19, we talk about contact tracing, the idea that you trace the transmission pathway back to where it originated so you can hopefully quarantine the appropriate people and to snuff out further infection. Well, that actually doesn't work with spiritualism because not only is there community spread now, but the, the, the origin of the virus, Satan himself, is still going around infecting people. 
And so yet, this is yet another reason why what we talked about earlier about you know, running around hunting for spiritualists uh, in, in, in our church, that's a fruitless task, right? It's a fruitless task because let's say you find one, the devil will just infect three more. So n- understanding this, right? Understanding that spiritualism is going to be with us until Jesus comes. And the Bible is very clear about this. We read some of the statements earlier. This affects our approach. What is the solution to this pandemic? And as good Adventists, you probably already knew I was going to say this. The answer is prevention. The answer is we need to boost our spiritual immune system. That's the only way. So we can resist spiritualistic infection. So how do we do that? Number one, we must be humble. We shouldn't be naive and we need to stay close to Jesus. We need to be humble to understand that the devil is as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He deceived Eve. And lest you think Eve is a dummy, she, was, she came from the hand of the Creator unblemished. She had all of her mental faculties with her. She, was, she had never yet committed sin. She does not have a fallen nature. And yet the devil was able to deceive her. And then later on, Adam as well. So let's not think that we can outsmart the devil. We need to be humble. And we need, we, we need to not be naive like what, we t- like what I talked about earlier. Like we can't think that it doesn't affect us because somehow we know the truth. We know the state of the dead. And somehow that makes us immune. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. We need to stay close to Jesus. Just like Eve wandered off from the side of Adam, that's how she became susceptible. We must never wander off from the side of Jesus. And that goes back to, you know, the associates that we keep. We read about how some of these people who are opposed to the truth can be used as mediums of Satan. We need to be careful that we are not under the influence, whether through a secondary or third degree type of uh, transmission scenario. We don't want to be under the influence of any of Satan's agents uh, or mediums. First John 4, 1 tells us, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Try the spirits. Don't just believe anything. And number two, we must be filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit uh, will give us the antibodies to resist the devil and his lies. We must be filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, And it reminds me of the story Jesus told. The man had a demon cast out of him. You remember the demon demon walks around for a little bit, comes back, finds his old place swept and cleaned out. And he brings seven more demons worse than him to fill that place or, or to possess that man again. We must fill ourselves with the Holy Spirit. Allow Jesus to dwell within us so that the devil has no room to come in. And this also means we must be careful what we fill our minds with, right? The media that we engage with, we need to be careful that it is not spiritualistic in uh, content. So Galatians 5 verse 16, and then also 19 through 21 says, This I say then, walk in the spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Right? For the sake of time, we're not going to read through the whole list, except the note that witchcraft is one of the things that is the lust of the flesh. So walking in the spirit will prevent us or protect us, preserve us from witchcraft. And it says, of which I told you before, as I've told you in times past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. And finally, we must put on the whole armor of God. We all have heard about the PPE, uh, personal protective equipment for frontline workers with COVID-19. Well, the armor of God is our spiritual PPE, and we need to put it on because it is specifically designed for spiritual warfare. Ephesians 6, verse 11 and 12, put on the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. And one piece of the armor of God is the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And I want to conclude with that thought. With the word of God, we ought to prove all things and hold fast that which is good. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 21. And then Isaiah chapter 8, verses 19 and 20. We frequently only quote verse 20, but notice it is specifically talking about spiritualism and spiritualistic influences. And when they shall say unto you, seek unto them that have familiar spirits and unto wizards that peep and that mutter, should not a people seek unto their God for the living to the dead? To the law and to the testimony, if they speak not according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. The law and the testimony 
the Bible, the Word of God, the Spirit of Prophecy. These are the weapons of our warfare against the enemy of souls. And finally, a promise. Some of us might feel overwhelmed because the devil is too powerful. He is powerful. And there is no chance, zero chance, that we can prevail if we meet him alone in the field of combat. But this, is, this promise is for us. 1 John 4, 4. Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And I want to say amen to that. That serpent in the garden, he is still speaking today. That serpent that tempted Eve, he is still in the business of tempting man today. And his tactics has not changed much. He is still warring with the remnant of her seed. But we need to remember that back in, way back in the Garden of Eden, God gave a promise that there will come a seed of the woman who will crush the head of the serpent. And praise God, that seed of the woman has already come. Amen? Jesus has already come. He's already won the victory. And so for us, yes, the devil is a wily foe. His powers are great. But greater is he that is in us than he who is in the world. So I say, let's commit ourselves to follow and to stick with and to uh, obey that seed of the woman. To follow Jesus whithersoever he goeth. And he will in the end give us the victory over the devil and his spiritualistic deceptions. So let's, uh, let's conclude here as we close with prayer. And uh, let's bow our heads. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for the word of God, which is the sword of the spirit. We thank you for sending Jesus as the seed of the woman to crush the head of the serpent. We thank you for giving clarity to us about the devil and his tricks And Lord, help us to not be deceived. Help us to understand how the devil works and help us to withstand his temptations. Be with us the remainder of the Sabbath and bring us back again this afternoon as we continue this study. And may you continue to make truth clear that we may be ready to meet you in the air, that we might be able to help others to come out of Babylon to be ready for your return as well. Be with us now, we ask and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.